Well, Happy New Year. I'm so thankful to the Lord that he's given me the privilege of sharing his word this morning. I don't take that lightly. Um, I've been seeking the Lord for his message, and in preparation, he called me to a 28-day fast that ended on Christmas Day. Uh, So intent was my heart to seek the Lord with all that I am and all that I do. And he has been so faithful. And so, uh, though we are to weigh the word and we always have to have the witness of the word, I just want you to know that Father God's love for you is so deep and so intense that he even called me to deny myself for a few days so that his voice would be crystal clear. Not just for me, but for each one of you that have come today. He has a message, I believe, that will change our lives if we receive it and believe it. The Lord even named this 28-day fast. He's never done that. He called it the Days of Reckoning. And and that's because there were two scriptures in the Bible that he wanted me to really ponder and consider for those 28 days, and they both have the word reckon in it. That's why he he called it that. I thought it was kind of funny. The first is found in Romans 6.11, and it says, Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Some of your translations would say consider. The second uh, reckon scripture is also in Romans 8, chapter 18, and it says, I reckon that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. I reckon that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory of God that will be revealed in us. Reckon is the translation of the Greek word logizomai, and it simply means to consider, to meditate. It also means to decide and to take an inventory, like a spiritual inventory. So we're commanded to decide to consider ourselves dead to sin. Our decisions have a huge weight in how we walk out our Christian life. And we are to decide to consider ourselves alive to God. In the Amplified Bible, it translates this scripture this way. So we're commanded to decide and consider ourselves dead to sin. And it says to break off our relationship with sin. That's what we're to do as a Christian. Break off our relationship with sin. And consider ourselves, decide to be alive to God, to live in an unbroken relationship with him. 
And it's only through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that, right? He alone gives us the grace to actually do this. I, uh, the first thing the Lord did in that 28 days, because of course he's dealing with me first, because he gave his word to me, for me, and for you. But the first thing he did was bring up areas where I allowed a relationship of sin in my life. And he took me through a time where I was actually willing to let a searchlight of the Holy Spirit look inside my life and my motives, and my actions, and my thoughts. And he showed me where there was a relationship I was allowing with sin. And brought me to that place of repentance. So then I could be alive in unbroken fellowship with the Lord. And that's really important. And that's where that second scripture came in, the second reckoned scripture, I reckon that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a suffering to deny ourselves anything that we want. There's a suffering to fast and deny yourself food. There's a suffering to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to have free access to every maybe hidden corner in our life and to allow him to go there and to be willing to see where there's sin that we've still allowed, no matter how big and no matter how small. And then to be in that place of humility where we take responsibility for it and where we repent of it and receive his cleansing and forgiveness. And so there's a suffering in that kind of doing a spiritual inventory. And yet it is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's not worthy to even count as a suffering when the Lord in his faithfulness shows us areas of sin and then he comes with his cleansing and his freedom and his forgiveness and his power that wipes it away where he even forgets about it. As far as the East is from the West, it's such a small suffering to allow ourselves to lay before the Holy Spirit and say, here I am, search my heart and know my ways, that there be nothing found in me that would break my fellowship with you, my relationship with you. And so that's, that's the process the Lord uh, has brought me through this past month. And I realized, you know what? The only thing that's wounded when I bring myself before the Lord is my pride anyway. Because I really would like to think myself as much better than I am. And so we lay that down. Because that's sin as well. That breaks my relationship with the Lord. We lay down pride. As we come before the Lord, uh, I'm reminded that the beginning of December, Pastor Nick's first message was on repentance. Our need, our vital need to repent, to give the Lord opportunity to search our hearts and to live in daily repentance. In this time of deep repentance, 
the Lord started to speak his message for us for 2017. And he said to me, in one day, I will give you a dream and a vision and an audible voice. And I said, okay, can't wait. And so one morning I woke up. <clears throat> the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord had given a dream. It was very simple. It was very short. But in this dream, he had a new sword for each one of us. But this sword wasn't made of metal. It was a sword of light, and it glowed blue. And it was a, a, a saber of light. We won't call it a lightsaber. <laughs> but it made a sound like it was alive, like it was electric. And as I, as I took the sword from the Lord's hands, it made like that hum of live wires. I don't know. Did they actually make a sound? It made a sound of power. And it was like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And that's the sword he has for each one of us. I said, Lord, explain to me about this blue sword of light. Blue is the color of the anointing. And the anointing breaks every yoke. Blue is also the hottest part of a flame, of fire. It's 1,400 degrees Celsius. The Lord this year, his purpose is to purify. His purpose is to burn away the dross and the sin that so easily besets us. His purpose is to bring the light to the darkness and dispel the darkness. And so he has a sword held out to each one of you today. His word from Ephesians 6 that's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a sword of light. And he has that available for those that would say, yes, Lord, I receive it. Later that same day, the Lord gave a vision. And in the vision, the Lord came to me. And he had a message. And he said, my daughter, and I know this is for all of you, or I wouldn't have included it. He said, my sons and my daughters, don't fear what I will show you. For you will see me in a glory you have never seen before. I will reveal myself in a brilliant glory that is too bright for human eyes, and so I give you spiritual eyes that you can see my glory and live. I have come in times past as a lamb, meek and mild, silent before my persecutors, I have come even as a helpless baby in a manger. But now I reveal myself as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the risen, triumphant king. My eyes flash with fire. My face is of a brilliance never seen before. I am clothed in pure, dazzling white. 
My chest is encircled with gold, and my feet are of burnished bronze, refined in the fire. And my words, my roar is alive and powerful and sharper than any sword. My very breath has power to save, to heal, to restore, and to redeem. My breath moves mountains. It causes kingdoms to rise and fall. It causes seasons to turn at my will. My words resurrect hope and dreams that have fallen asleep. Many of you have hopes and dreams that have fallen asleep. His word, his breath, his roar resurrects those dreams and hopes. And my words plant purpose and gives new hopes and dreams. I roar and the atmosphere changes. Situations change and strongholds fall. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And all things, all things, every single thing is under my feet. And this is the revelation I breathe into you today. This is the key point of what I want us to get today. The Lord said, this is the revelation I impart to you today. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ on you, not Christ out there or in someone else, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we get that, in a deeper way, our lives will be changed. The seed has been planted, but this revelation of Christ in you will cause it to explode in new growth. That's what God has for 2017. I have made my home in you. I live in you. This is the Lord speaking. And you abide. You have made your home in me. In me. We are hid with Christ in God. We are covered on the outside and on the inside. Safe and secure. No matter what the troubles you're going through, no matter what the sufferings you've been through, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so that the Lord ended by saying, receive and believe. Receive this truth. Christ in you, the hope of glory, for this is a day of new beginnings. That was one of a, a handful of the most profound times I've had with the Lord when he would choose to come in vision and speak his word from his mouth. 
That same day, now of course I'm, I'm waiting for audible voice. And that same day I was listening to worship and doing some other things in my house and I had the worship cranked up and during the song uh, on my computer, Bill Johnson got up and he interrupted the song and I heard him start to speak. And the Lord said, stop what you're doing, go and sit down and listen. For I am speaking through this man. And I knew that I was going to hear the audible voice of God through Ray Johnson. And so he interrupted this powerful worship song. And these are now Bill's words. He said, At the Last Supper, John the beloved apostle laid his head on Jesus' chest of love. So overwhelmed by his friendship, his presence, his goodness, so thankful that he, a fisherman, would be chosen to hear the truths of the kingdom. So blessed that, that his Lord, that Jesus would sit and eat a meal with them and would even gird himself with a towel and wash their feet. Years later, this St. John, while exiled on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1, sees Jesus again. But this time, it was different. Jesus had eyes of fire, hair white as wool, feet of burnished bronze, a brilliance about him that was beyond description. And that John, that apostle, wrote these words in his letter, first book of John, chapter 4, 4 18. And this is what he wrote. As he is, so are we in this world. Amen. To Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but I would have been content with as he was. So are we to be in this world. I would have thrilled, been thrilled, that the Lord could say, as he was as he walked the earth. As he was as he healed the sick and, and cast out devils. I would have been thrilled. But by the Spirit, John the Apostle said, not as a baby in a manger, not as a lamb meek and mild before his shearer who uttered not a word, but as he is, so are you and I to be in this world with eyes of fire, with the glory of the Lord upon us and through us, with the word coming out of our mouths just as, as John saw Jesus as a two-edged sword, with the word of God on our lips. As he is, so are we to be in this world. Oh, Holy Spirit, it's only by his grace and his mercy. But all creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting for people to believe that Christ lives in them. And he wants to move through them.
And so at that point, Bill Johnson sat down. Oh, no. And I knew that I had heard the voice of God that confirmed that vision that he had given me that same day. The church is so comfortable as a whole with Jesus as an innocent baby in a manger. And it's right that we celebrated that a year ago. I'm not saying it's not. <coughs> because he did lay down his glory and tip on the form of humanity, and that was necessary. But the church is very comfortable with that message. And it's also fairly comfortable with Jesus, the Lamb, meek and mild, silent before his persecutors. But how comfortable are we with a Jesus who is a risen, triumphant king whose eyes flash with fire, who has a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, who has a glory and a brilliance upon him that you can't even look upon him. The Lord is calling us, I believe, this year to leave our comfort zone and to embrace the Jesus with the eyes of fire who roars. And to be willing to to let him move through us as he chooses. Not as we think, not as we want necessarily, but as he chooses, submitted to God. It was after this day of uh, a profound time with the Lord that uh, he gave the name for this message. This is where my easel is going to come in. He called this message today a new leaf, a new beginning. I immediately thought of the saying, turning over a new leaf. You hear people at New Year's make resolutions, and a part of it is turning over a new leaf, and that usually means to stop doing something bad and to start doing something good and to try really, really hard to do that. I just want to tell you that is not what God is talking about today. Because if our willpower could save us, we would not need a savior. So it's not resolutionless. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's actually becoming a new leaf and knowing who we are in Christ and who he is in us. by believing what Christ has done in us when we were born again. I ask the Lord to to help me to understand this. One thing for God to say something, but if it goes over our heads, we can't even apply it. And so we ask for spiritual understanding, and I said, Lord, I don't get it. I know this scripture, I've memorized this scripture, but I I want my eyes to be opened to see this. Show us in a way that I can understand. And so the Lord told me to get out of painting. (coughs) 
So, I'm going to paint. The Lord said, some of this is already done. The Lord said that that before we were born again, before we had Christ, we were like a yellow leaf. So, this one's done. I'll use that one later. That every human being has been born in sin. We have been living in the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of Satan, and we had no way of getting ourselves out of there. All our own righteousness, no matter how good of a life we've tried to live, all our own righteousness is as filthy rights. There is none good, not one, only God. And so the yellow leaf represents us. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, do, couldn't be good enough to earn our salvation, to find our way to the Lord. There's a great gulf fixed. And Jesus looked for lost sinners. I'm going to represent Jesus by a blue flame. But Jesus and gave his life for us. He took our place. When we deserve to live in eternal damnation, completely separated from a holy God, there's no way we can approach God in our name. Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. He came so that we might have life have it more abundantly. Blue, again, represents the anointing. The anointing that breaks every yoke. We lived in the kingdom of darkness under the power of Satan. And we had no way to rescue ourselves. And Jesus came. The Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And not only did Jesus do work on the cross 2,000 years ago, but he also came to live in our hearts. The Spirit of Christ came in us. 
And he saved us and he redeemed us from the kingdom of Satan and we're now planted in the kingdom of his dear son. He touched us from the inside out. In fact, the scriptures say that if Christ be in you, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is us before Christ, dead in trespasses and sins. And here we are. Did you see what happened to the colors? We were yellow. The grace, the anointing, Jesus Christ came into us and we were transformed. We were made brand new. If Christ be in you, you are a new creature. Not you will be a new creature when you get to heaven. This is the point that, that will change how we see ourselves and how we live our lives. We are not yellowish blue anymore. We are not just yellow covered over with blue anymore. We are not a caterpillar in a butterfly costume. That is not who we are. When Christ came in us, we actually became a new creation, a new color. He made all things new. Old things are passed away. No longer can we use the excuse, I've always had a bad temper. Because actually, he's made you new. And his anointing can break any yoke. No matter what personality you were born with. Or what terrible thing happened when you were a child. I know I was abused as a child, so I speak from experience. When the Lord saved me at 19, he said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new creature in Christ. If we, if we get this, that we are new today, we won't give ourselves excuses. Well, I was always a headstrong child, and I still am. Well, I had an addiction to this or that, and I still battle it. Guess what? If you've been born again and received Christ, all things are passed away. All things have become new. And his power is more than enough to bring every mountain low and every valley high. More than enough to break every bondage. It's his anointing that breaks the yoke. He is the anointed one. He lives in you. 
Oh, how we would live our days when we truly believe that. The past has no more hold on me. Yesterday has no more hold on me because I live in daily repentance. This is you in Christ. You're green. Green by grace. I like to call it. The scriptures came alive when the Lord showed me this. The scriptures just came alive. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh, that's Galatians. Yeah, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ. The old man. See this as your old man. You know, we've, we've put off the old man. We've put on the new man. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. There are so many eyes there. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. Well, which eye is it? It's the old you that has been crucified, that went down in the waters of baptism and was raised in newness of life. That's how that works. Romans 6.11 becomes clear, that one reckoned scripture that said, Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Dead to sin, alive to God. And if the colored leaves don't speak to you, I'm a very visual person, so I just, I just pray the Holy Spirit impart to you spiritual understanding, a revelation of this truth so that you can get it. If that doesn't speak to you, let me use the analogy of DNA. Uh, I went to a conference recently and Matt Sorber um, shared this analogy and it so hit home. He was asking the Lord one day how it was possible that Mary, a virgin, a human woman, young woman, could have the Holy Spirit come upon her and the power of the Most High overshadow her so that she would become pregnant and the holy offspring born of her would be called the Son of God. He said, Lord, I don't get that. How is that possible? And so the Lord explained it in this way. He gave a vision of DNA. Now here is my rendering of DNA. DNA is um, built like a ladder. It's called a double helix. And there's two long pieces and then there's rungs. And then you twist it. 
And that's what the DNA molecule looks like. DNA is a long molecule that is found inside every cell of the human body. It contains our unique genetic code. It makes us who we are. So Matt is saying, how did this work, Lord? That you took a woman and your Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. And the Holy Offspring was the Son of God. And this is what Matt sort of saw in vision. He saw one side, one strand of Mary's DNA. Say this green one. Join with one strand of Most High God. And it was all held together. That's why Jesus was the Son of God and may also have had his mother's nose and his skin color and looked like a Jewish man. It's an analogy, but it's one that hit home for me. Now consider this. What happened, using the DNA analogy, when you and I were born again? One strand of our DNA joined together with the Spirit of Christ who moved in, quickened us and made us alive. And it's all wrapped together in God's love. That truth that I could see, it was like, I get it. I'm a new creation. When the Spirit of Christ came to live within me, I am new. God is now my Father. I am now His daughter. I share His nature. I share His DNA. Truly, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And whether the analogy of the DNA speaks to you more, or the analogy of the of the leaf speaks to you more, the truth is the same. So I have a question for you. If we're this new creation, this new creature, what happens when we say? Do we become yellow again? Do we need to become born again again? Think about the story of the prodigal son. Did he stop being his father's son when he took the inheritance and he squandered it in sinful living? Did he stop carrying his father's DNA? 
Did he stop being green? Do we stop being green? When we are tempted and fall into sin or when we actively chase sin? Do we stop being green? Does God stop being our Father? Right? No. No is the correct answer. And we can be like a prodigal son who finds himself one day he, it says, the scripture says he came to himself and he found himself in a pig pen. So I would submit to you that, yeah, he was a green leaf, but he was covered in a whole lot of muck. <laughs> and worse. <laughs> and I think the prodigal son looked down and all he saw was the filth and the sin, and he didn't even remember that he was green. And we know that because when he came home, he said, I'm not worthy to be called a son. He must have thought he was young. I'm just going to go back, I'm going to repent, I'm going to live as a servant. But was that the truth? Was he yellow? No. He was just green, but covered in a whole lot of sin and a whole lot of muck. And his father had been eagerly waiting for his son to return. He was watching for him. And when he saw him in the distance, he maybe didn't even recognize the condition that he was in, in the filth and the, and the muck that covered him now. Experience. Yet father knew. That's my son. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast. My son who is dead is alive again. He has returned. And his son came in repentance. He confessed his sin to his father. And he had probably more than one bath before the feast. And he was washed clean. He was washed clean. And his father received him back as his beloved son. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the day for new beginnings. And some of these analogies, you'll be quickened in your heart and say, you know what, that's me. Now is the time to repent and go back home and live with the Father. Aunt Gail, so glad to see you here, Gail, had a dream recently that I know when to share. She's, uh, she's been an intercessor for this fellowship for, Gail, was it 50 years? Okay, so it's a long time, for a long time. And the Lord gave her this dream very recently. I'm just going to sum it up. It was, it happened in this church building right here. She and a man, who I believe was Jesus, was in this building watching some women and children in preparation for worship. And she saw me in the dream, and I went, and I took a gold crown out of a box that had been completely entangled with tinsel in it and threw it and I was picking tinsel off of the crown 
And she looked and she saw a huge door open to the east. That's the east. And it's like there was no end of the building. There was a huge door open to the east. And just outside our building, she saw a massive turbine. Those wind turbines, but much bigger than any she's ever seen in the natural out west. And it had these wispy clouds around it. And just beyond that was another massive turbine with more clouds around it. The dream ended. And the turbines, just to let you know, hear what God is saying, the turbines speak of God's mighty power ready to be released. Not just for driving church, the gospel church, for the town, but it was right outside our doors, ready to release a new move of his Holy Spirit. Clouds in dreams speak of glory. The glory of the Lord ready to be revealed. A second turbine, even a double portion anointing and moving of the Holy Spirit to release his presence and his glory into this place. Not only for ourselves, but so that we can bring it outside. I feel like God is giving us a promise. It's like his potential when he speaks in dreams and visions. He's saying, this I will do. Will you receive it? Will you believe it? Will you pray into it? Will you accept it? Will you be offended by it? Will you be too uncomfortable? Or will you welcome the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst and his glory? The Lord is saying, sum all this up. This is a new day. Not only is this a new year, this is a new day. Prepare yourselves. I heard that over and over, especially the past two weeks. Prepare yourselves. Last week, a brother came up to me and he said, I don't know about you, but I just keep hearing God saying to me, like the virgins with the oil, get your lamps full of oil. Get your lamp full of oil. Prepare yourself. Get your lamp full of oil. You need more oil. And I believe the Lord has said, prepare yourselves. And so I urge you, ask the Lord what that means for you personally. I asked him for us corporately, and he gave me three things, just briefly. First is prayer and fasting. Seek him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then do what he says. If he calls you to fast, then fast. I know for me, the voice of the Lord becomes very clear when I fast. And the stronghold of unbelief uh, is dealt a death blow when I fast. But hear what God is saying to you. The second one is repent. Ask the Lord to show you if there's any areas in your life where you're allowing a relationship with sin. And he will give you the gift of repentance. He will. 
And the last is grow, grow, grow. When we're a green leaf, maybe born again, but we're allowing some sin to remain because it just doesn't seem that bad. It's like we're covered in mud and we can't receive the light of the sun, the sun Jesus, and we stop growing. But when we repent, we get cleansed from that. Now we're filled with light and we grow into those trees of righteousness bearing fruit as we're meant to be. We have small groups starting soon. If God's speaking, join a small group. Get connected in relationship with the Lord and with each other. And see how strengthened and encouraged you'll be. Immerse yourself in inspired teaching and preaching. Get into the Word. Read the Word. Seek God with everything that's in you. And God has experiences for you as well. If you've not been water baptized, I can't think of a better time to get water baptized than the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to his aid. We want to be ready. We need to be prepared. And there'll be more classes on water baptism and all that it means. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I can't think of a better time. And there will be teachings on that as well, because many of you may have many questions. Come to those sessions with your questions. Because the Lord has an experience of immersing you in the Holy Spirit. So that then when the Holy Spirit blows through, you're on the same page. You understand scripturally what's happening. It's not just something strange or different or weird or I don't get it. You found it in the Word. You've experienced the Holy Spirit and His immersion for yourself. This is the day of new beginnings. And I pray that revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, I pray it's been clear. I pray that it's not just clear, but that it becomes so real inside of you. That things that seem like big mountains we keep going around, all of a sudden, the Lord's taking care of that. I trust you, Lord. You've broken that yoke. In fact, you broke it, you know, for me 30 years ago. For you, it may be yesterday. For some of you, maybe you're not even a green leaf yet. Maybe you're a yellow leaf. The Lord says, this is your day and your beginning. Let's just take a moment. I just want to see what God wants to have with us. Thank you. Can we have the praise team? Do you mind? Thank you. 